This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, if you've got your Bible, go with me to Leviticus 23, and then right after that, we're going to go to Exodus 19. And I tell you, I, I got a bunch of scripture tonight that we got to get a hold of because this will really, really help me. You know, the Lord said in John 1, he said the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was God, or with God, and is God, every bit of it. And so I've got to become consumed with the Word of God. John 8, 31 and 32, it's very clear that he said, if you abide in the Word, then and then only will the truth set you free. The word abide means I must live in the word. I must remain in the word. I must continue in the word, okay? Over and over again. And I will say this right now. The word of God is not outdated, all right? There's a lot of saying that the word of God is outdated. There's believers that will say we've evolved past the word of God. Well, the Lord said in Jeremiah 8, he said, the reason the children of Israel were in trouble is because they rejected the word of God. As a human being in my own life, I reject the Word of God. I'm just inviting problems. And so I believe in the Word of God. Now, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So begin with me, Leviticus 23, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be a holy convocation, these are my feasts. These feasts to the Lord. Now, if you study this out, most of it's right here in Leviticus 23, but there was seven feasts. There's three in the spring, and those those feasts, every one of them, are the fulfillment of Jesus. But the three in the spring, they have to do with our redemption in Jesus. The three in the fall, in the fall have to do with the rapture or the second coming. The one that's right in the summer, and I wish I had talked about it about three weeks ago because they just celebrated it. It's the one we're going to talk about tonight. Now, the word convocation here means a assembly of a people or they just had church. And so the Lord said, come to these. Now, in Jewish custom, they were required to come to these. There was one really big one in the spring, one really big one in the fall, and this one in the summer was the most attended of all of them. Same chapter, pick up with me in verse 15, and we're going to study the one that just took place here this summer. And remember, guys, all this is a shadow of the New Testament. Verse 15, And you shall count from yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then shall you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. Now, this is called the Feast of Weeks, the, the, the Feast of Pentecost. In Exodus, it was, is called the Feast of Harvest. And if you'll note what he said there, it was seven Sabbaths plus a day equals 50 days. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, and we'll go back to Acts 2 here in a little bit, but when it talks about the day of Pentecost, Pentecost itself meant 50. All this represents that the day of Pentecost and the Feast of of Weeks, what we're talking about here, was 50 days after Passover. That's when it occurred. Keep reading here with me. Verse 17. You shall bring from your dwelling 
two wave loaves of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits to the Lord. Now, in this feast, this was the first uh, harvest they had. And it was a great celebration of the harvest of their crops. In verse 17, instead of a landmark, I want to give you a word mark that I'm going to come back to. It's very specific that you saw in there. It says two loaves. It didn't say one loaf. It said two loaves. Go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter. Go back to your left just a little bit. Exodus chapter 19, and we will begin in here in verse number 1. Exodus 19, verse 1. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt on the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord had departed from Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness, so the Israelites camped therefore before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord God called him from the mountain, saying, Thus shall you say to the house of Jacob and the children of Israel, You shall have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now remember, he brought them right out of, uh, of Egypt. Took them right out of bondage. And they come to Mount Sinai here. And he said, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments... Then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. Now, in order for that covenant to have to take place, they had to accept it. They had to believe the word of God. But note in there what he said. He said, you'll be a special treasure to me. A special one, set apart from this world, dedicated to the Lord. Verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, look at the word priest right there. It's plural. God's design was for the, the entire nation, the entire tribe of Israel. Every one of them was to be priest. That was his desire for each one of them. But some things happen along the way that gets them out of that. And the reason that God's desire was for them to all be priests, they would become a holy nation. And then you know what would take place? The Gentiles of the world would look at them and say, what's up with you guys? Why are you so blessed? Why is your life so well? And then they would tell them about God. And so that was God's thought. That was God's heart on there. Turn a couple pages to Exodus 32. Exodus 32. So what happens here, and I'm going to have to paraphrase just a little bit. The Israelites got afraid. And remember they said to Moses, you go up and talk to God. You go talk to God for us. And so when you see when they did that, they rejected what God asked them to do. They declined it. And that was literally the start of only a few of them being priests. But his desire was for all of them to be priests. So we go to, to Exodus 32, verse 26. And this is the part where Moses had been up on the mountain, on Mount Sinai with Father God. And remember, he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, all those are shadows. Remember when Jesus rose from the grave 
from the time he grows from the grave until he ascended into heaven, is 40 days. And so Moses is up there for 40 days, and the Israelites, they get impatient. They won't wait for him to come back down. And so in that time frame when they got impatient, remember, that's when they had Moses' brother Aaron mold them this calf. And really what you're seeing is there is because they rejected the things of God, they backslid. They quit pursuing God. Now, how many know that as a human being, as a born-again Christian? When I quit pursuing God, I'm going to backslide. I'm going to go back the other way. I'm going to revert to my own ways. And that's what happens to them. Exodus 32, verse 26. Just start in verse 25. It'll help us. Now, when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp, and he said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. Now, anytime you read in the Old Testament and you start finding about the priest in the Old Testament, it was these guys. They were the Levites. The Levites were the priest. You know why? Because of this right here. This is why over and over, God ordained them to be the priest. Verse 27. And the Lord said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on a side and go in and out from the entrance to the entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. Wow. God said, wipe them out. Keep reading. So the sons of Levi, they did according to the word of Moses... And about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. So these were the ones who remained loyal to Yahweh. These ones the ones who said, we'll obey Father God. Now here's you another word mark. Remember right there how many men were killed that day. 3,000. 3,000 men were killed that day. So now we jump into the New Testament. I know I'm racing through this, but go with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And you'll begin to see how all that in the Old Testament lines up in the New Testament. The very thing Father God wanted to do with the children of Israel, He's never allowed to do it to the degree He wanted because they rejected Him. They rejected His work. So now we come to Acts 1. This is when Jesus has rose from the grave, what I was talking about a minute minute ago. And from the time he rose from the grave till he departs is 40 days. Now watch what happens in verse 4. Acts 1, 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which she said, you have heard from me. Verse 5. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus right here, he clarifies what the promise of the Father was. What was the promise of the Father? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus right here, he tells them, 
wait for the promise. But we could go to, to Mark 16. And in Mark 16, Jesus gave us the great commission. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all people. Lay hands on the sick in my name, in Jesus' name, and they'll recover. And he even said, you can cast out demons or devils in my name. But over and above that, Jesus says, listen, boys, before you do that, don't go anywhere until you receive the promise of the Father. Now, you got to understand how significant that was for Jesus to say that. Wait for it. You know why I believe Jesus said that? Because he knew that those disciples would never be able to fulfill the things they were called to, even in the Great Commission, without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So look at verse 8, Acts 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so right here, he's telling them, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, Luke 24 says you'll be endued or clothed with power. He said there's going to be a power, a boldness that will come upon you to be witnesses, to fulfill my, my great commission that I, I charged you to do. Verse 9. Now, when Jesus had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, a cloud received them right out of their sight. So we go back just a little bit and think, these literally were the last words that Jesus ever said to them. Don't you think he really wanted to leave an impression on them with the last thing he said? So Jesus says these things, and can you imagine being there that day? And all of a sudden... Jesus just does a Peter Pan or whatever, and he's, he's out of there. Can you imagine what, what they're thinking? They're seeing this. Now, he clarifies some things to these angels, verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men, which was two angels, stood by them in white apparel, who said, men of Galilee. And remember, men of Galilee, they were uneducated. They were untrained. Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in a like manner as you saw him go up into heaven. So what here happens here is these angels say, listen, fellas, Jesus is going to come back again. And the way he left this earth will be very similar to the way he comes back. Now, when Jesus left the earth that day and he ascended into heaven, that started what we call the last days. From the time he ascended until the time he comes back, that's all under the parentheses of the last days. We're in the last days. We've been in the last days since Jesus left, but this thing called the last days is funneling like this real rapidly. And so in this sense right here, Jesus is saying, to fulfill the things I've asked you to do, you're going to have to have the Holy Spirit. Remember, so much of this is tied to verse 8, to be witnesses unto him. In the Feast of Weeks, it was about a harvest of grain and fruit. In the New Testament, 
It's about the heart or the harvest of people. It's what it's about. Us trying to gather all the people we can to go to heaven. That's why we can never forget to be evangelizing. That's why we should never forget to play for, pray for the sinners that they come. We want people to come. That was Jesus' heart. So now we go to Acts 2. And think about this here. At this time in Acts 2, and I'm going to start in verse 1. The disciples obeyed Jesus. And they wait for the promise. And from the time that Jesus said, wait until receive the Holy Spirit until they received him, was additional 10 days. And so it was 50 days after Jesus' resurrection is where we're at. So we go to Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Remember, Pentecost means 50 days. 50 days from what? At this time, it was 50 days after Passover. So it all lines up. So when we read this here in Acts 2, you know where this is in the Jewish calendar? It's the Feast of Weeks. It's the one that just happened a few weeks ago. So this is what's taking place. So he said, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with all in one accord in one place. You know what they were doing? They were having a convocation. They were having church. I think this is another reminder here in the Bible why you don't want to miss church, okay? Too much happens. If you would have missed church that day, you would have missed the, 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 the start of the Holy Spirit coming. And I don't, I don't care how good your golf game is. I don't care if it's the greatest sell at the mall. I don't care if it's two for one at tanning and massages. You don't want to miss church. Stuff happens at church. So they're all there together in one accord. They're in unity. Verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven, as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Holy Spirit, he shows up. And that day was marked by fire. And when you go back and you study, when Moses was on Mount Sinai, that day was marked with fire. And if you'll note here, it said that the Spirit of God set on each one of them. Every one of them. Not one of them was excluded. Verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews... Devout men from every nation under the earth, under heaven. And you know what's significant about this? These international Jews had made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival or the feast of Pentecost or the feast of weeks. So you got a national audience, a worldwide audience. Keep reading, verse 6. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now, think about this just for a second. The Holy Spirit was a uniter. It caused all of them to come together. And that's what he still does. That's why you're not going to heal America. You're not going to heal the prejudice in our land 
with more education. I'm not against education. Now, what's going to heal our land and bring unity in our land is the Holy Spirit. You start getting men filled with the Holy Spirit, and just like these guys, something happens on the inside, and you'll see a change on the outside. You get men filled with the Holy Ghost, and you'll see their behavior start to change. That's what American is. That's what he pray for. Thank you, Pastor. That's good preaching. That's good preaching. Verse 7. And they were all amazed, and they marveled, saying to one another, Look at all these who speak are Galileans. Remember, they're uneducated. How can this be? It's amazing they know one language, let alone two or three. How are they doing this? He goes on to say, and how it is we hear each one in our own language in which we were born. And he lists all the names. And he goes on to say, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So every one of them are hearing them in their own dialect, but what are they hearing? They're hearing the great things of God, the wonderful things of God. And it always interests me when people say, well, you know that, that, that the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues is of the devil. Well, if it's of the devil, why were they talking about the wonderful things of God? I remember when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and people would say, that's of the devil. That's of the devil. How many of you ever heard that? That's of the devil. Well, before I got born again, I did a lot of things for the devil. I mean, I did. I was a good sinner, and I don't take great pleasure in telling you that. But I never remember on one occasion on a Friday night that when I had a billfold full of money that I looked at all my buddies and said, you know what we're going to do tonight, boys? We're going to get drunk, we're going to get high, and then we're going to sit around and pray in other tongues. We're really going to get busy for the devil tonight. See how foolish that is, that thinking? And to me, when we say that, if you go back and look in Acts 1 there, where, where Jesus said, the promise of the Father. So Father God, he endorsed the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit right now is the only active agent of the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that is alive and, and at work here on earth. You know how I know that? Because God's at the, at, on the throne and Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me and you. Thank you, Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit's here. And so that's why he said, I want to fill all of you with the Spirit of God. So that's what takes place in verse 11. Now, just real briefly, look at same chapter at verse 17. This was prophesied years back by the prophet Joel. This is Joel chapter 2. It's, it's verse 17 through 21. I just want to read verse 17 to you. And it shall come to pass in the last days, there it is, in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on just pastors. Not what he said. He said, I will pour out my spirit on all, all flesh. Now, the last time I looked up all in Webster's, it still meant all. That's what it means. All flesh. So remember, we go back to what the Lord said in Exodus 19. He said, I want all of you to be priests. And in this situation, he said, I want all of you to be filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, the outpouring of the Spirit of God is for all of us. 
And back in the, the, the initial infilling of the Holy Spirit, the reason that the apostles had to wait for the Holy Spirit, it was the first time that he came into the hearts of men and he remained in them. If you study the Holy Spirit when he was alive and active in the Old Testament, he would descend on them and they would do incredible feats, but then he wouldn't remain. Now, you know what God said? I'm going to put my spirit within you. And not only will he come on the inside of you, he'll remain with you. And so when we look at all this, what's going on, the big deal is the same for me and you as it was for the Israelites. Do I reject what God said? Do I decline what God said? Because that's exactly what they did. They rejected and they declined what God said to each one of them. Now, I want to show you a couple of just comparisons with Mount Sinai and the day of Pentecost. On Mount Sinai, they rejected the will of God. On the day of Pentecost, they received. On Mount Sinai, they didn't wait. On the day of Pentecost, they waited. On Mount Sinai, they were given the laws that guided them. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit would guide them. That's Romans 8, 14. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Now, in the, in the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6, listen real close to this. It says, the Spirit gives life, but the letter kills. Do you know what that tells me? When we just have the Word of God, and the Word of God is just a bunch of rules and regulations, it literally kills people. And that's what happened in the Old Testament. They couldn't fulfill the promises or the laws that God had, and so ultimately it killed them. But the Spirit gives life. So what happens here is I believe this. When you combine the Word of God with the Spirit of God, oh, get ready. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be a great thing. So we go back to the comparisons here. On Mount Sinai, the law was engraved on stone. On the day of Pentecost, it was engraved in their heart. Huge difference. On Mount Sinai, they all heard the word of God. They just didn't obey. On the day of Pentecost, they all heard, and evidently, they all obeyed. On Mount Sinai, Israel rejected being the priest, but on the day of Pentecost, they welcome the opportunity to be a priest. You can hold your place right there. If you want to go with me, go, go with me to uh, 1 Peter 2. you got to see this. Oh, get ready. You're going to shout at this. 1 Peter 2. This, this is in light, guys, with what was said in Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6. To, to refresh you, Exodus 9, 5, 19, verse 5 and 6, that's where the Lord said, you'll be my special treasure. That's where the Lord said, you'll be priests, you'll be a holy nation. Now listen to what it says here in 1 Peter 2. I'm going to start in verse 4 and 5, then I'll end in verse 8 and 9. It says, coming to him as the living stones, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 8. 
They stumbled being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Do you know what Father God says? They rejected me. But the ones of you who will receive me, you'll be a royal priesthood. You'll be a holy nation. You'll be a peculiar people. You'll be all that. So this is exactly what God wanted to do for them. But when they rejected him, he couldn't. So you know what he said? I'm going to use you guys. I'm going to see you get born again. I'm going to see you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And you'll begin to be the salt of the earth. Now, here we are in Acts 2. And so when we, we read in Acts 2.17, that was the prophet Joel speaking. But there was a man named Peter. And if you study his life, remember, Peter was Peter the pathetic. He was Peter the pitiful. Until he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And something happens to Peter. And so that day, all this international Jews are in Jerusalem. Peter says, I'll preach the word today. Let me have the mic. And Peter gets up and he starts preaching and he starts quoting the prophet Joel. And I believe the other disciples were looking and said, what did Peter eat today? I've never seen him this way. He had a couple red bulls. He had to. Peter became so passionate. The power of God came on him. And I love to use Peter as this illustration because remember, Peter is the one the Lord said to him. He said, listen, dude, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's the one who had the gall to rebuke Jesus. Do you remember that? He said, oh, no, when Jesus was telling him you're going to die, Peter said, no, no, that's not going to happen. Listen, Jesus. But here, all of a sudden, this man, he gets filled with the Spirit of God, and his life begins to change. And so he preaches the word to him, and we pick up in Acts 2, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, what Peter spoke, they were cut to heart. Something called the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, it cut them to heart. It pierced their heart. It stung their heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Pay close attention to Peter's recommendation. And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. What type of baptism is that? That's water baptism. He said, repent and be baptized unto Jesus. Be water baptized. But note, he doesn't stop there. And, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. For the promise, and what was the promise? We read it in Acts 1, verses 4 and 5. What was the promise? For the promise is to you and to your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now here's a great question for you. If we're allowed to get born again, which we are, don't you think we are allowed to get filled with the Holy Spirit too? 
Now, I told you to hang on to that word mark a minute ago as far as the two loaves back in, in Leviticus 23. Thank God there were two loaves. You know what the two loaves represent? The Jew and the Gentile. Thank God there were two loaves. So we got engrafted in. And so because of what Jesus did, we as Gentiles, we could receive the things of God and we can get born again. And not only can we get born again, we can receive the promise of the Holy Spirit too. Not only us, but even our children. Now watch what goes on to take place here. And with many other words, he testified, Peter did, and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. In other words, don't act like the world. Come out from among them. Verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word. See, it's huge for me and you to receive the word. No, they didn't gladly reject the word. They didn't gladly decline the word. They gladly received the word. And were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, we can go back and we can look. In Exodus 32, that when God raised up the Levites, how many men were killed that day? 3,000. Because they rejected the things of God. But the ones who don't reject the word of God, look what it said. 3,000 were saved. And I look at this. This is a result of untrained Galileans, uneducated men, a bunch of fishermen who got filled with the Holy Spirit. They got born again. They walked with Jesus. And they begin to live under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And in one day, 3,000 were born again. I look at that and I think, the example of the church today is the book of Acts. We can't limit God. We need to get a hold of the things of the Spirit of God and begin to welcome Him. And I think it's one of our greatest prayers. Once again, the only qualifications I can find to receiving the Holy Spirit is you must be born again. You must be. You got to be. Now, I'm just telling you right now, you don't want to miss next Wednesday night. It's going to be a convocation and it took everything within me tonight to get over there. There's times I thought, I've got to go in that area. It, it, it will be incredible that you will see stuff biblically that will set you free. I'm telling you, it is incredible. But we've got to get a hold of the Holy Spirit. I will tell you this once again. The Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. The Holy Spirit doesn't do stupid things. People do stupid things. And I can tell you, being born again for over 30 years of my life, I saw how people abuse the things of the Spirit of God. But I've also seen the same move that was in the book of Acts 2 that happened. Where you begin to see people get born again and, and begin to see them live for Jesus. And remember in Acts 1.8, the key was that you receive power to become witnesses. How many of everybody wanted to be a witness for Jesus and you said, I can't do that, I can't do that? I tell you, the Holy Ghost will help you. He'll help you. 
I used to be terrified of witnessing. Now, I'm telling you right now, there's not a place that I usually don't go that I don't witness. I'll witness to the clerk at Walmart. I've been tortured for being there. I might as well get a little joy. You guys who come to church, you know what I'm talking about. But man, I tell you, the, the Holy Spirit wants to help us. And I will tell you this right now. You want to be a better parent? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to be a better spouse? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Start beginning to hang out with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, things will begin to change in your life. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.